Welcome to our listeners and viewers uh, to yet another one of our virtual sessions in support of patients living with chronic illnesses. My name is Dr. Puduga. I'm a general practitioner with an interest in holistic wellness. And today I will be talking to you about diabetes. For those of us who did not know, the 14th of November is World Diabetes Day. Okay, diabetes is a condition that leads to high levels of blood glucose, or also known as sugar in the body. This happens when your body cannot make or use insulin like it is supposed to. Insulin is a substance that helps your body use the sugar from the food you eat. So having listened to that, um, you need to know that if you have diabetes, your body is not able to, pro to properly process and use glucose from the food you eat. There are different types of diabetes, each with different causes, but they all share the common problem of having too much glucose in your bloodstream. And treatment includes medication and or insulins, and some types of diabetes can actually be prevented by adopting a healthy lifestyle. So what are these different types of diabetes? The different types of diabetes include the following. Type 1 diabetes. This type is an autoimmune disease, meaning your body attacks itself. In the case, in this case, the insulin-producing cells in your pancreas are destroyed. Up to 10% of people who have diabetes have type 1 diabetes. It is usually diagnosed in children and young adults but it can develop at any age. It was previously known as juvenile diabetes, and it is also known, currently known as um, insulin-dependent diabetes. Now we have type 2 diabetes mellitus. With this type, your body either does not make enough insulin or your body cells do not respond normally to the insulin. This is the most common type of diabetes. Up to 95% of people with diabetes have type 2 diabetes. It usually occurs in middle-aged and older people. Other common names for type 2 diabetes include adult-onset diabetes and insulin-resistant diabetes. Then we have pre-diabetes. This type is the stage before type 2 diabetes. Your blood glucose levels are higher than normal, but not high enough to be officially diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Then we have gestational diabetes. This type develops in some women during their pregnancy. Gestational diabetes usually goes away after pregnancy. However, if you have gestational diabetes, you are at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes later on in life. And then the less most common types of diabetes include diabetes insipidus. It includes uh, 
monogenic diabetes syndromes. These are rare inherited forms of diabetes accounting for up to 4% of all cases. Examples are neonatal diabetes and maturity onset diabetes of the young. We also have cystic fibrosis uh, related diabetes. This is a form of diabetes specific to people with the disease cystic fibrosis. We also have drug or chemical induced diabetes. Uh, this is an example of diabetes that happens after organ transplant following HIV and AIDS treatment or associated with glucocorticoid steroid use. Okay, I mentioned um, diabetes insipidus as also another type. And this is the one that produces, it's where the, your kidneys produce a large amount of urine. And in the, in, in, in the previous years, uh, those who wanted to discriminate, like, discriminate between uh, diabetes mellitus and diabetes insipidus had to actually taste the urine. You know, urine from patients with diabetes mellitus tasted a bit sweet, but urine from diabetes insipidus was tasteless. So um, what are the common symptoms of diabetes? Diabetes presents with increased thirst, increased hunger, excessive fatigue, increased urination, you know, you urinate all night, and a blurry vision. Now, let us talk about who is at risk of developing diabetes, who actually gets this diabetes. Factors that increase your risk differ depending on the type of diabetes you ultimately develop. Risk factors for type 1 diabetes include having a family history of diabetes, either a parent or a sibling. Uh, it also includes injury to the pancreas, such as an infection, tumor, surgery, or an accident. Presence of autoantibodies. These are antibodies that mistakenly attack your own body's tissues or organs. Physical stress, such as surgery or illness. Exposure to illnesses caused by viruses. Now, what are the risk factors for type 2 diabetes? Remember, we said this is the most common type of diabetes. Family history, either a parent or a sibling of prediabetes or type 2 diabetes, being overweight, having high blood pressure, having low high-density lipoprotein cholesterol, which is known as the good cholesterol, and having high triglyceride levels, being physically inactive, being over the age of 45 or 45, having gestational diabetes or giving birth to an overweight baby, having polycystic ovarian syndrome, having a history of heart disease or stroke, or being a smoker, 
risk factors for gestational diabetes. Remember, this is the diabetes that you get when you are pregnant, so it only occurs in females. If you have a family history of prediabetes or type 2 diabetes, you can get gestational diabetes. If you are overweight before your pregnancy, you can get this and being older than 25 when you are pregnant. Okay, so what are the complications of diabetes? Cardiovascular diseases, including coronary artery disease, including chest pains, including heart attack, including stroke, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and atherosclerosis. Nerve damage is also another complication. It's actually referred to as neuropathy. This is um, damage that causes the numbing and tingling that starts at the toes or fingers and then it spreads throughout the body. Kidney damage, also known as nephropathy, that can lead to either kidney failure or the need for dialysis or transplant. You may also have eye damage, which is referred to as retinopathy, that can lead to blindness, can lead to cataracts or glaucoma. Foot damage, including nerve damage, poor blood flow, and poor healing of cuts and sores. This is why we sometimes, it, it's sometimes referred to as a diabetic foot. So when you're a diabetic, your treating healthcare practitioner will actually give you a, a talk on how to take good care of your feet. Skin infections are also, can also be a complication. Erectile dysfunction in males, hearing loss, depression, uh, dementia, or even dental problems. Complications of gestational diabetes in the mother may include preeclampsia. Preeclampsia is actually high blood pressure, which presents with excess protein in the urine. And mums will also present with leg or feet swelling. And uh, the, 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 the parent will actually have a risk of gestational diabetes during future pregnancies as well, and a risk of diabetes later on in life. And in the newborn baby, the baby will have a higher than normal birth weight. And the baby may also present with low blood sugar. And the baby, unfortunately, also has a high risk of developing type 2 diabetes over time. And sadly, they may also develop death shortly after birth. So it is very important for moms to go for prenatal care and antenatal care. So before we go on to how diagnosis, I mean, diabetes is diagnosed, okay? So we mentioned that uh, patients with diabetes will present with increased thirst, increased hunger, excessive fatigue, increased urination, especially at night and blurry vision. I just wanted to add that if a patient has type 1 diabetes, they also present with 
excessive weight loss without any explanation. And it, it, it gets so drastic such that it is visible to the human eye, to the naked eye. I once had a patient who lost 30 kilos within a period of two weeks diagnosing diabetes. We have a number of tests that are used to diagnose diabetes. Uh, the, the commonly used ones are, is your fasting plasma glucose test, which is performed overnight. A patient is asked not to eat anything the night before. In fact, you should have fasted for about eight hours. You should have nothing to eat or drink except sips of water. And this test will measure your level of blood glucose. And depending on the levels that you get, the, the, the treating practitioner will tell you if you have diabetes or if you have to come back again for another test. We also have random plasma glucose test. This test can be done at any time without the need to fast. But the, the only problem with this test is you can get false positives. For example, imagine if you had a, a high sugar containing meal prior to the test, we may falsely diagnose you as having diabetes. So if we do a random blood glucose test and it is high, it will have to be confirmed with either a fasting plasma glucose test or a repeat um, plasma glucose test. The commonly used test again, which is very accurate, is HbA1c test, also known as glycated hemoglobin test. This test actually provides your average blood glucose level over the past two to three months. So this test measure, it actually measures the amount of glucose attached to your hemoglobin. What is hemoglobin? Hemoglobin is a protein in your red blood cells that carries oxygen. You also do not need to, <clears throat> excuse me, you do not need to fast before you do this test. But this is accurate and diabetes can actually be diagnosed and confirmed with just this test. And then we have another test that is not routinely used. It's known as oral glucose tolerance test. In this test, blood glucose level is first measured after an overnight fast. Then you are given a sugary drink. Your blood glucose level is then checked at hours one, two, and three. So let's go to how can we how can we manage diabetes? The most important thing is, you know, because diabetes affects your whole body, the best thing is to make sure that you control the risk factors. Remember, we mentioned some of the risk factors that we have been mentioning throughout this season. So ideally, you need to keep your blood glucose level as near to normal as possible by following a diet plan, by taking your prescribed medication and increasing your activity level. You need to maintain your blood cholesterol level 
your high density lipoproteins and your low density lipoproteins and triglycerides as near as possible to the normal ranges. You need to control your blood pressure. Your blood pressure should never be more than 140 over 90. You actually hold the key to managing your diabetes by planning what you eat and following a healthy meal, exercising regularly. I'm sure you've heard this from your previous presenters. Losing weight if you are overweight and taking medication and insulin prescribed and closely following the recommendations on how to and when to take your medication. This is now being adherent to your treatment. And the other thing is you need to keep your appointments with your healthcare providers. And we also need to do laboratory tests to make sure that your ranges are within the normal. And then you also need to quit smoking if you already smoke. And if you do not smoke, please do not start to smoke. You have a lot of control on a day-to-day -day basis in managing your type, I mean, your diabetes. Okay, so if you have type 1 diabetes, you have to take insulin every day. Remember, your pancreas no longer makes insulin. So you need to inject yourself. We have four types of insulins. We have a rapid-acting insulin, which acts within 15 seconds or to 15 minutes. We have short-acting insulin, which acts within 15 to 30 minutes. We have intermediate-acting insulin, which acts within 12 to 18 hours. And we also have your long-acting insulin, which stays in the system for more than 18 hours. So depending on the levels of your blood glucose, your treating practitioner will either give you, ideally, your, your, most patients are put on intermediate acting and long-term acting insulin. Now, if you have type 2 diabetes, your treatment can include medication, both for diabetes, your condition, and for any other conditions that you may have that are risk factors for diabetes. For example, your hypertension, your cholesterol problems as well. And it may also include insulin. Sometimes we have patients who do not respond well to oral medication. We try to put them on maximum medication and they do not respond. These patients, we actually put them on long-acting insulin. They can inject themselves once only at night or in the mornings, depending on the time that they will be able to inject themselves. It would be ideal to inject yourself more or less at the same time because we don't want you to inject. One day you inject in the morning, the next day you inject at night, it may fluctuate your blood glucose and that may lead to hypoglycemia. So to be careful, you need to make sure that you take the, the insulin at the right time and then all, almost at the same time every day.
And then another way of treating type 2 diabetes mellitus includes lifestyle changes such as losing weight, such as making healthy food choices and being more physically active. If you have prediabetes, the goal is to keep you from progressing to diabetes. Treatments are focused on treatable risk factors such as losing weight by eating a healthy diet and exercising. Many of these strategies are used to prevent diabetes and they are recommended also to treat diabetes. Sometimes you get a patient who has been on diabetes medication and they start exercising and eating healthy. And this actually has an impact on the blood glucose. It will go up to normal levels. And with such patients, we actually start weaning them off medication and just putting them only on one drug. If they were on optimum treatment, we may actually keep them on one drug for some time to make sure that we do not end up going back to erase blood glucose. And then if you have gestational diabetes, remember this is a type of diabetes that you have if you're pregnant. If you have this type of diabetes and your glucose level is not too high, your initial treatment might be just to modify your diet and get regular exercises. But if the target goal is not yet met or your glucose level is very high, your treating practitioner may start you on medication or insulin. Giving you insulin is also safe if you are pregnant. So depending on, you know, diabetic treatment depends on the client. Your treating practitioner will assess you and then decide on the type of medication they want to give you. Oral medications and insulin work in one of these ways to treat your diabetes. They stimulate your pancreas to make and release more insulin. They slow down the release of glucose from your liver. Extra glucose is stored in your liver. They block the breakdown of carbohydrates in your stomach or intestines so that your tissues are more sensitive to insulin. They react better to insulin. It may also help rid your body of glucose through increased urination. The adult population, 12% of 59 million people has diabetes type 2. And it is not well controlled, but uh, the government is actually working with nonprofit organizations to make sure that we increase awareness to the population on what diabetes is, on what it does, and on how it can be better managed. And above all, it's addressing the risk factors. I think if you, if you, if you recall, if you recall each and every session that I present, I always mention eating healthy, leading a, a healthy lifestyle. I always mention um, quitting smoking or not even starting if you are a smoker. Mention limiting the intake of alcohol. Okay, yes, I, I've, I've found the, the, the steps that I wanted to talk about. Um, 
diabetes is actually a leading cause of death in South Africa. With non-communicable diseases like diabetes on the rise globally, South Africa is no exception. Actually, in 2016, diabetes and other non-communicable diseases caused 16% of total deaths in the country. Among the South African population, there is a major lack of awareness on the disease and access to proper health care. Because of this prevalence of diabetes, the South African adult population is actually 12.8% in South Africa. It is crucial that, um, other, in fact, we have countries that are supporting us with regards to funding and research to help with patients who are obese and who are diabetic. And there are many adverse, event, adverse effects of those living with diabetics. So diabetics need to consistently track their blood sugar levels to ensure that they do not go into a coma. And they also need to make sure that they are well controlled so that they, could, they do not develop cardiovascular problems like heart attacks that we've spoken about in the past and strokes. And actually diabetes can cause an individual's kidneys to stop working. We mentioned complication, we mentioned diabetic ne nephropathy, we mentioned um, retinopathy, it can affect the eyes, it can affect the nerves. So it is imperative that patients are diagnosed, they are put on treatment and they are well controlled. And uh, Unfortunately, you know, we cannot do with, um, we cannot do without socioeconomic disparities and other factors that contribute to prevalence of diabetes in South Africa. We can just try and, 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 and help out where we can. Uh, sadly, poorer communities are not, do not, do not know very well about the benefits of healthy eating do not know very well about the benefits of exercising. So it is about increasing awareness and reaching those poor communities which do not have access to treatment and to centers. And uh, diabetes is actually a preventable and treatable disease. So we need to look out for risk factors. And the most effective way to decrease prevalence of diabetes in South Africa is prematurely to educate educate citizens and encourage healthy decision-making. And um, actually South Africa is working towards this goal. And finally, eh, we have a lot of support from other countries that are developed in terms of um, um, funding. We have the International Diabetes Federation, with, which works with several organizations in South Africa to help combat the severity of disease, of this disease through advocacy, funding, and training. Thank you.